2: You're listening to a podcast from The Word.
0: Nice to be joined for another word down your way by uh, Suzanne Vega. Uh, Suzanne, where are you? In New York?
3: I'm in New York, yes.
0: And and in February, you're coming to the UK.
3: Yeah. uh,
0: Starting on Saturday the 11th, Bexhill, Basingstoke, Ipswich, Northampton, Buxton, Gateshead, Edinburgh, Manchester, York, Cambridge, Bath, Cardiff, Leicester, and uh, culminating—if we can say uh, that—in London Festival Hall on on March the second. So, can you remember the first live show you went to as a member of the audience?
3: Yeah, uh, it was very memorable. Uh, Actually, it uh, was Lou Reed in nineteen seventy (laughs) nine. I mean, uh, technically, I had gone to one previously, but it was more as a chaperone for my sister who wanted to see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. But I don't really count that one. I count the show, uh, the Lou Reed show at uh, Columbia University was my first time actually seeing a show from the audience. So
0: what was your first time performing? Can you remember that? Is that burning in your memory, your first uh, live performance yourself?
3: Yeah, um, very clear. It was with um, Pete Seeger at Carnegie Hall. Um, I was 12 years old. He came to my school, which was a progressive sort of hippie school. He uh, wanted to do a benefit for several schools, and he was looking for children to sit at his feet and sing sort of atmospherically. Um, So I was determined and I got right up into his face and sang Guantanamera and I was one of the children chosen. I mean, actually, all the children were chosen to sit at his feet. But that was my first time actually performing.
0: So Carnegie Hall was the first time you performed. Because the the old joke is how do I get to Carnegie Hall, isn't it? Practice, practice, practice. Whereas you did it the other way around.
3: Yeah, I did it the other way around. I was chosen, I went, that was the beginning for me. (laughs)
0: So when you when you sort of perform in your own right, um, you know, did you think straight away, I, I, I take to this, I like being on stage in front of people?
3: Um, I had mixed feelings because uh, I, I loved the stage. And I loved the stage from the moment I saw a stage, which was, I think I was about four years old. And I thought, oh, I, I like that floor with the light on it, you know. Um but it took a while to overcome inhibitions and being shy. Uh I I was actually studying dance at the High School of Performing Arts. Um and I loved that. I loved moving on stage uh sort of non-verbally. Um but once I started writing songs, then I had to teach myself how to sing in front of an audience and how to tell stories, how to engage an audience.
0: Right, yeah. So what did you learn about how to engage an audience? Because it's, it's a thing that a lot of musicians never entirely conquer, isn't it? You know, that business of just how to speak to people in between songs. See, that's always come quite naturally to you.
3: It has not. <laughs> uh, it just looks that way. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, a show that I had done, and this is an interesting story, I... Uh, when I was 16 years old, I did a show uh, in a jazz club in New York City with the famous bass player Richard Davis. Richard Davis played on, you know, with, uh, with um, uh, yeah, the guy who did uh, Astral Weeks. Yeah, uh, Van Morrison, yeah, because, like, ben Morrison. Was he yeah. in the modern jazz quartet? I don't know Richard Davis' complete history, but he was doing a show and he allowed me to come up and sing in between his sets at the Tin Palace, which was this jazz club. And i had only had about five or six songs at that point. Um, And he uh, gave me some pointers. And he said, one of the things he said was, you should learn to, he said, your songwriting is really excellent. You have really good form. He said, A, you should learn to read music, which I never did. And B, you need to learn to talk to an audience because people like to be spoken to. Um, So I had that in my mind already. Uh, But it took me years of performing at Folk City to really get the gist of what to say, how to talk, what stories to tell, what stories not to tell. Um, You know, this is a trial and error for, for years. It's part of the folk tradition, really, to tell stories.
0: I suppose it is. But he's quite right. You know, people just like to be spoken to, don't they? It's kind of, it's a natural human thing, isn't it? You've turned up in the audience, you'd like to be recognised.
3: Yeah, exactly. And and especially some of the songs that I've written are, they would be difficult to know what they're about unless I explain a little bit. Because for a while I was like, no, no, I'm an artist, I don't need to talk to anybody. <laughs> and those shows were not very good. You know, everyone just sort of got quieter and quieter, and um, just to say the atmosphere wasn't there.
0: Right. Can you remember the first time you came to the UK and performed in the UK?
3: Yeah, I vividly. <laughs> I performed, I think my first show was at the Ellis, uh, the London School of Economics. Oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, I was very excited. I, I knew that uh, Mick Jagger had gone there. Um, it's, there was a small auditorium of about 300, uh, weirdly, I had just come from France and my entire wardrobe had just been stolen out of the taxi. Um, so I was wearing my boyfriend's t-shirt and the one jacket that I had. Um, so it was all very weird. (laughs) Uh, but I, yeah, I remember the audience was very excited. The first album had just come out or was just about to be released, so that was my first show uh, in, in the UK. And
0: how did you find them different from audiences at home or did you not find them different?
3: Well, you know, New York is the hell of a place to cut your teeth um, as a performer because they will spit you up, you know, chew you up and spit you out if they don't like you. So, you know, I had my years in New York where I did well and other years where I didn't do so well. And, again, you know, I had to really work it. So by the time I got to England, um, I mean, the U.K. audiences just seemed wonderful. You know, they were so enthusiastic and 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 we were still on the verge of the new wave scene in the uh, punk thing that was going on. So from time to time, you'd have people like moshing or, you know, or rolling on the floor to like small blue thing, which was, you know, I mean, I was like, okay, great. You know, I'm going to sing and play no matter what's going on in the audience. But. So there was still a bit of that um, thing. So, and that was probably the main difference right. between uh, London and New York is there was uh, no moshing in New York. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: what kind of show are you, are you going to be doing in the UK this time?
3: Uh, It's me on guitar and vocals. I've got my guitar player and musical director, Jerry Leonard, with me. He plays guitar. Um, He was David Bowie's musical director uh, in his final years. Um, So he's got a huge range. He's um, Irish. He's from Dublin. His name is Jerry Leonard. And so he does a lot of production. So we do very folky songs like Gypsy, but we can also do other more, more produced sounds as well um i do old songs i do new songs i do um the songs everybody knows like luca and tom steiner um and then i try and also do songs from you know the deeper cuts from 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 various albums so it's a nice arc of of music uh how do you, when, how, do
0: you how do you feel you talk about your better known songs how do you feel about those i mean you know the I was listening to the, the James Taylor song where he sings about people who pay good money to hear fire and rain again and again and again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I've got no complaints. I mean, I will sing Luca until I die, and I'll sing Tom Steiner uh, as well. I mean, for for different reasons. Luca is a very deep song that has a lot of meaning to a lot of people um and it has meaning to older people but also younger people who have just discovered it and know what it's about it's a song about child abuse uh which unfortunately um has not gone away um so i it's a song with a lot of meaning to me and i sing it very sincerely each time um and then tom's diner has turned from this kind of quiet song about alienation at breakfast to being this wild dance party thing where people some people dance some people sing along um everybody has memories of the 90s and what they were doing in the 90s when it was a big hit so i I love it and i still do it very happily
0: so how do you prepare for a for a a tour like this do you do you go into a rehearsal space or anything like that or do you just turn up and do it How, how does it work
3: No, Jerry, uh, you know, Jerry books a rehearsal space and he kind of, uh, you know, corrals me into it um, and says, no, no, we're going to do this now. Um, So (laughs) so he's great. And he makes sure there's snacks and there's cups of tea so that, you know, we're all happy to be there and and do it. But I I don't just show up anymore. I I rehearse um, at least one or two days and uh, and we stay in shape. I mean, I just did four shows at the City Winery over the holidays uh the show is called Home for the Holidays and so we just did 4 nights there it did really well and so um it'll be a bit like that uh maybe with a tweak here or there so you you're talking about it, it,
0: it Jerry's part in this it's very important to have somebody stand there at rehearsal go no you should do you should shouldn't do that there you should do it there or is it important to have somebody to just bounce off
3: um, I have found it very important. Um, I've always had a musical director and I've always had really good ones. Um, Jerry's pretty terrific because he, he, we know each other very well. So he knows what techniques work with me and what, what just don't. Um, so he knows the carrot is better than the stick. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's vital to have snacks and, and, um, and cup of tea to keep us all going. Snacks yeah. are
0: the important thing. So do you have any superstitions about uh, uh, appearing live? Is there anything you have to do or, you know, do you have to leave the dressing room in a certain way? I I, I was just interested. Because athletes frequently have those kind of superstitions. You don't have those?
3: Not anymore. Uh, I think when I had the big Luca tour, we sort of would get together in a little ring and do some sort of shouty thing. And, and, uh, well, we've stopped doing that now. <laughs> uh, no, so there's things I like to do. I mean, now I, you know, I put on my makeup, I do a vocal warm up, which is kind of a new thing for me. Um, I like to sometimes since I'm a Buddhist, I like to do my, a, a prayer before, but, but if I don't, if I miss it, I do it after, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, and I try to eat two hours beforehand. So those are things I'd like to do, but I don't have any particular superstition. Right. What do you
0: think, anybody who hasn't seen you might be thinking of going to this tour, what do you think might surprise people about about what you do or about what happens at the Suzanne Vega show?
3: Yeah, I think that people are surprised by um, the more... uh, you know we start the show very folky and and but then it it sort of morphs into a different kind of show i put down the guitar and we start to explore some of the newer songs there's a little more rock and roll than people might expect from me um you know it's nothing that people haven't heard on the albums you know i've done a song you know blood makes noise from 99.9 uh we can do that we do that live and it's really good and it uh so there's there's a lot of energy and there's a lot more moving around than people might associate with me all
0: right so finally can you 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 said Lou Reed was the first show you ever went to what was the best one you ever went to
3: I've been to some some really great ones I mean the one that's springs to my mind is uh I don't know if you do know Stan Ridgway oh yeah, uh, right
0: yes I yeah he
3: had a band called Wall of Voodoo and um I, I saw him at the bottom line and it was great <laughs> it was so great uh he was so funny and so inventive and he used when he had a song called calling out to carol and he used the microphone as a kind of telephone uh and he just was totally free and uninhibited and i really was uh i i was knocked out flat and that was you know it was about 30 years ago um uh peter gabriel i think has done some great shows i've seen him do some great ones too oh uh,
0: well look uh, thanks very much for talking to us and so Susan, suzanne vega in the UK, tour starts on uh, Saturday the 11th of February at Bexhill and then goes through to March the 2nd at the Festival Hall. And, uh, you know, what
3: can we say
2: but good luck with the tour.
3: Thank you so very much. I appreciate Thank you. it. you.
2: This podcast was brought to you by The Word.